And uh, do you have any, is it anything that's off limits? I think mm. I asked you that last time. Not really. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, not really. Like that's, you know, pretty much open. Yeah. Cool. Welcome to the Rockin' Life podcast, Rockin' Life After Divorce, and I have guest Cheryl Sprangler with me today. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Yeah, I am so happy that you're with us today, and uh, we're going to be speaking about all kinds of things today. And the Rockin' Life podcast, the reason why I started it, I started it a few weeks ago, is mainly to help people in the aftermath of divorce to help them navigate and uh, I went through divorce myself about five years ago it was extremely difficult to go through and uh, so I, I want to help people navigate divorce in a good way afterwards and the years after because a lot of times you get lonely and depressed and a lot of times they end up in a, in a vicious spiral going down down the drain so uh, that is why I started it, and that's why I want to do. I want to help people to to navigate this difficult part in a good way to have an awesome life. And uh, Cheryl, uh, I got to know you about a year ago, and you were sending lives all the time. So it was very interesting because you're so authentic, you were real, and uh, I also heard in these podcasts that you had gone through a divorce. So that's why I contacted you and see if you want to be on the podcast. So. Uh, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy you're here, and I'd love to hear a little bit more about you. Who are you? Well, I was going to ask you, like, how you originally met me, because, you know, we have all these friends on Facebook, so, right, but they're not really friends. Um, and people that like you, maybe. But um, I'm good. I'm good. I, um, I'm 49. That is really scary to say. <laughs> that is really freaky scary to say. Oh, yeah? Um, and, you know, you said something about being fake. I don't feel like the whole first half of my life I was fake, but I had the thickest walls that anyone could put up. <laughs> and today's people might say I still do, but I, I don't actually. So going live actually helped me bring down those walls and maybe that was like my transformation of my coming out to be more vulnerable but yeah um but um so about me i basically really never dated in high school at all yeah my parents were i wouldn't say they were crazy strict it's just that like we didn't date like we didn't have cars and parents didn't have the money to buy us a car there was four kids and so it was just like, you're not dating. And so then when I was 18, it was like the first guy I dated, I basically moved out in, you know, right. The minute I graduated, like first guy I dated, I moved in with him. And then four years later realized he was someone that I'll make this short, didn't like women with education. And so I was like, okay, just got to figure out a way like to leave. And then within literally three months, I met my husband yeah. um, after that relationship. And I think at the time I was like attracted to the exact opposite of what I was going through. Yeah. And then we ended up getting married. So we were married for 10 years and we just, you know, it's like we grew apart. 
like we grew up. I don't know that he really recognized or realized or wanted to admit that we were growing apart as much as we were, but we were. Um, but two years before I actually initiated the divorce, I, and in the meantime, I'm like all about business this whole time, like super business focused, had two kids and I was kind of starting to go through this spiritual transformation. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Before the divorce, I didn't realize at the time, but I started getting like, of course, I started getting into like the secret. This was like 2007 started really getting into fitness, which now I realized that was my way of pushing, like, like throwing myself into something that, I mean, I just think sometimes people, when they go through a divorce, they, they push, they throw themselves into something. It's either work, fitness, like you find a way to release all the stress you're going through. Yeah. And, um, and so I remember this one time, I, I've told most of these stories. I don't even care any of this on the podcast. But I remember this one time that my ex called his parents to have kind of like this come to Jesus like meeting because I was listening to the secret video. Yeah. And it was it was almost like he thought I was in a cult and it was like changing me and that's why I was doing what I was doing. And I'm like, this is crazy <laughs> that we're so far apart that you're thinking that. Instead of like embracing just, just a book, you know, it's like just the world of self-development or spirituality. I just, I started like in doing meditation at that time. And so for me, I just, I mean, I found myself meditating for hours a day and that was kind of crazy, but I believe that was a lot of what kind of got me through. I started leaning on that and getting more into that after the divorce, like, People say I wanted to, you know, I want to find myself, but for me, it was just really diving into the spirituality and goal setting and yeah, personal development. Yeah. So when I went through a divorce, you went through a divorce a little over 10 years ago. I went through a divorce a little over five years ago, but it was definitely an awakening for me. It was uh, definitely having masks up, pretending in many ways. And uh, you're talking about spirituality. I think in church especially, I pretended. I pretended to have a good marriage even though we didn't. I pretended in, in, in some ways, especially around the marriage, having family. For, for me, it was like the, the church preached so strongly about having, uh, being, staying married. And uh, I believe in, in commitment. But uh, also my parents stayed married for the, the rest of their life. My dad passed away 20 years ago. But... Uh, and put a lot of pressure and a lot of shame, extreme shame that I had to deal with. And that uh, shame, I didn't go back to the church because of all the shame around that, uh, about the stigma, about being divorced, etc. But uh, the stigma actually dissipated after I started sharing with people about the, sh- the divorce and now being okay to be in divorce. So did you have to deal with any of those things? <laughs> So I remember when I, I remember thinking at the time, well, it's been over for about a year or two in our minds. So this is really going to be kind of easy for me. That's what I was thinking. Right. And I remember my mom saying, you know, I just think you're in denial because you're just not accepting everything. I'm like, no, mom, like literally it's been a year or two of it. Are we doing it? Are you going to counseling? 
or I went to Colleen. We were supposed to both go, but I did learn a lot doing that. <laughs> I learned what books to read and then like language of love, right? So five languages of love. Counselor says, go read this book. I read literally the first three pages of the first chapter and I was like, shit, we're not going to make it. And, and anyway, even the counselor was like, you guys should have come to me five years earlier. I'm Uh-oh. like, what? But, um, what was my train of thought? I just, I remember, um, thinking that I was, I was all good because you deal with it a long time before you actually make the decision. Right. Yeah. And how many times, whatever you're going on, you're trying to work it out or whatever it's going on. And, but it really was two years of, I feel like me being in a fog. Yeah. Meanwhile, I, I actually kind of just, I didn't disappear from society, but I withdrew and I, you know, moved out and we had this 50, 50 visitation agreed on before that even happened. And then I remember did not, I know I didn't have cable TV, you know, maybe it was money savings, but it was for me to block out all news, all outside interference. And I was like, literally made this eight foot by four foot vision board covered my entire wall. My kids were at the time thinking I was crazy and they didn't know what that was. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, we didn't have cable TV. We had no TVs in the house. I was like, we're, we're literally going to play on the floor. We're going to play with each other. We're going to talk. We're going to play outside. And I just feel like, and I also disassociated from my friends because I just, didn't want to deal with what you're talking about. Okay. Interesting. For me, I I totally withdrew, even though I did participate maybe once every five months at a family function, I was like, Cheryl's going through a thing, you know, like Cheryl's just really into, I don't know what she's doing, but she's really just into the spirituality stuff. And she's just kind of like, I just, that's what I felt like people were saying about me. Yeah. And I just kind of am a real headstrong kind of, bullheaded person. So I blocked, not, not blocked Facebook. That's later on that stuff started happening. I just disassociated, but I would say the biggest mis nothing's a mistake. It all leads to where we're at now, but yeah, it's I a journey. Yeah. I died. I like launched into another relationship almost immediately. And, and what I realized a year later was I kind of went into a relationship exactly where I left, which is like you, you go in and all of a sudden you do everything together. Like you're married yeah. and you're not married and you don't want to be married and you really have no idea who you are and all this stuff, but you, but that's what I did. And I went into this relationship wholeheartedly and I was like, Oh my God, I, I thought I was totally completely in love with this person. And this was the person, but really it was just that, it was a different kind of love and it was like, it was great. It was amazing. I have nothing negative to say about it, but I found myself like living like we were married again. Yeah. Not, not in the same household, but that kind of like hundred percent all day, every day. What are you doing? It was like, you didn't have any space to grow. And so then I broke it off and then I just kind of, I ended up a lot of years of just doing things other than relationship focus. I think that's very, very healthy because I did the same thing. I, uh, shortly after the divorce was finalized, I started dating uh, for on and off for about a year. And uh, it was only due to me being lonely. It was a wrong reason for dating. 
And uh, you usually say that, uh, I've heard this say that uh, you, you attract what you project. If you project loneliness or dysfunction, that's what you're going to attract in another person. And if you're not whole, if you're not yourself, you're going to project uh, uh, that, those problems. And then you're going to end up in, a, in the same <laughs> difficult relationship in the future. So I actually taken, it's been two years now since I've dated. And uh, I just took it, a break uh, and uh, just taking time by myself. And now I, I don't feel lonely anymore. It's like, uh, it's awesome. It's really, really healthy, I, I believe, to have uh, a period of time after divorce. And I think the longer you've been married, the longer the break has to be. If, if you have a marriage of two years, I think it's probably shorter, but you still need to take a break, I believe. So I, I, I can totally understand you. So there's this thing after you get divorced where people think you have to wait a certain amount of time before you meet someone else. And everyone, so that's, that's the whole thing about everyone's got an opinion. Yeah. Everyone has like this fictitious time frame that is right. Well, whether your spouse dies or you get divorced, it's like, oh my God, I can't believe she's with someone so soon. And it's like, I don't think there is a time limit on love or that you have to, mourned for so long but for me it was just I found myself just running from that next relationship I was running from it because I just wasn't ready for commitment and so it's been a long commitment journey for me (laughs) for someone that had what I feel was a really great marriage up until the point where it just started not being I wasn't I didn't go through like major trauma to be an anti-commitment person, but I just I launched into this like whole anti-commitment stage of life and I didn't like it. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and also with the, the relationships, a lot of times when you're married, you have common friends and uh, a lot of them are married or have relationships. And that was my experience. Several of the friends kind of like scattered because they didn't want to deal with the friction that we had in our relationship. And uh, so you have to develop new friends and then I ended up in in extreme loneliness because I had just moved as well, so I didn't have any friends in the area. And uh, that's actually what I talked about in my first podcast to finding friends because to reach out, yeah. if you don't have friends that you can actually talk to about these issues, and it's mainly, I think I'm talking more to men than women, where you can actually be authentic and be real and you can share your, your pain with somebody else in, in a sound way, not... Uh, throwing up on them but uh, to be able to have a good deep discussion and having awesome friends i think that's one of the keys to to life in general but especially when you go through difficult periods in life to have that support to have somebody that believes in you and supports you and what i did i went we went through counseling and 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 our kids had counseling as well the first few years which was awesome that was one of our best decisions and uh I told her, I'm, I'm very, very lonely. And she said, talk to some people that you trust, some of your friends, and share what you're going through. And those people right now are my absolutely best friends now. But I didn't barely knew them prior to. Well, who were they at the time? Like just one, acquaintance friends? One acquaintance uh, in our uh, uh, church, in our small group oh, okay. at church. And he was going through the same thing. Uh, interviewed him on my first podcast 
Okay, and, awesome. <laughs> but we, we, we didn't even know each other. We just kind of like, uh, I, I just reached out. Well, actually, he reached out to me and said, uh, was wondering if uh, we're going to go out for lunch because he was going through a divorce as well. And then he, he had gotten an apartment. I was traveling back and forth from Sweden, and I was staying at Airbnbs for the first year. Oh. And uh, then uh, he said, why don't you come over and, and roommate with me? So we roommated for a year and a half, and that was the best decision I've ever made to have somebody else to talk to, and kind of like this loneliness yeah. just dissipated over that time. So I, I yeah. thought that was very good. What do you What do you I think mean, about having? It's, sometimes it's better to reach out to people that you're not like best friends with at the time. Maybe because, that's you know, a good idea. I mean, you know, it just depends on. We didn't have a lot of friends. <laughs> We actually didn't have a lot of friends because he was an introvert and I was, I would say I'm, I'm like a business extrovert, socially uh, kind of introvert. Uh, and so together we just, we were like the couple that didn't do a lot. I wanted to do more than I would say he would like couples get together and go do stuff. We didn't do that. And so um, I just remember, you know, everyone was married at the time with young kids, just like we were. So a lot of them couldn't really relate. It wasn't like everyone was going through a divorce and I wasn't going to put all my problems on them. So you do end up kind of on your own. Yeah. Cause I shared with four people uh, and the people that could, I, I felt could really connect and understand was actually two people, two, two friends that had gone through a divorce. So they could relate. They couldn't understand uh, the other people. I, I know that they listened, but I could never really feel that they understood me. They, they, you know, going through a divorce is very difficult. And I guess when you go through difficulties in all areas of life, if you haven't done it yourself, it's hard to relate to you. But uh, that was at least my experience yeah. to, ha- to have somebody that's already gone through what you've gone through. And that's why I think I, I have, when it comes to coaching people that are going through a divorce, I have a huge benefit because I have already walked where they have been. And that is so powerful because I know how difficult it is. So I can relate to them. I don't know all the ways, but we can together solve a lot of these things to go forward to get traction. Because a lot of people, they get stuck in different ways and just ends up in a vicious spiral. I've heard people that has been divorced and it's like after 15 years, they're still not over it. Yeah, I know. I just like imagine how much like, it's just like a brain waste. I ended up at the time I worked at a company that did they didn't call it this but it was it was like life coaching yeah and i ended up hiring this guy as it was kind of a group of us of five um hired him to do goal setting really he he was just called goal setting his name is bill nasby he's an amazing man and he's no longer with us but he he is truly and was truly the most amazing life coach, which he did not label himself as that, but I'm telling you, and if, you know, like he, he, that's what his thing was, but he just said he he helped people goal set. And I remember that when we started, it was a 12 week program and it was very inexpensive. He should have like thinking back now, it's like, my God, he should have charged so much more. And he had been through so much struggle on his own that he had overcome and he had all this, he was like amazing. But I remember the first session that we did like this kind of group call and he was, it was like, we're going to figure out what we want. 
this was the beginning of me like doing this vision board. So for me, I guess initially that's what I did for the friends. I found like this guy who at the time did not call him a life coach, but it's what he was goal setting coach. And so the first session, there was like four or five of us. And he's like, okay, so we're going to start this process over 12 weeks of figuring out what we want in life. And everyone on the call, I'm getting chills telling this, didn't know what they wanted because either the women never asked themselves or they never took five seconds to even, you know, like think about what they want because it was either what the kids want, the husband wants, the parents want, family wants, the friends want. Like they, some of them were like, I don't know. And then it's like, well, I don't know. Well, that was the most frustrating part because none of us knew. Why didn't we know? Because we never took five seconds to even figure out what we wanted. Yeah. And, and that was literally two or three weeks of the 12 week program was figuring out what it is you want. It was like, okay, well, 30 minutes on the phone with this guy. And then a whole week of contemplating what the heck we want. It was actually even irritating because you'd sit down with this piece of paper and it's like, you just think of things. What is it really what you want? And so then we started walking through his process, which is freaking amazing, of figuring out what you truly want. Yeah. And that's what I ended up, I guess, connecting with those those group, you know, that group. How, how was that? Was, did that help you to, to move mm-hmm. through the divorce? How, how, how long after the divorce was this? I mean, it was probably maybe... So I, you know, I mean, of course you got to be uh, separated for one year in Virginia before you are officially divorced. Okay. So I think I moved out in July of, you know, whatever, 2010 and we didn't get divorced until August. I started coaching with him within three months of moving out. Okay. And so you took, just, did you yeah. take the initiative yourself or was somebody else that recommended it or? I think it was like meant to be yeah. because I moved out within three months, switched companies. And this guy just happened to be starting this whole goal setting thing. And I'm like, you know, I, I'm going to do that because I want, I need to focus on something other than like what's happening. Yeah. And so what it did for me was just focused my energy on something positive and launched into this whole process that really did positively affect my kids. I mean, you don't realize how much your kids, like we were like the quiet couple yeah. that never really fought. Okay. But our, our fighting was like silence, which is actually worse than yelling in my opinion. Yeah. Because it's like living on ice and your kids feel it. The air's thick. They don't say anything. You're not fighting, but they know it. And they were like five and seven. So I just saw, over the years, and I'm sure he would admit this now, that my ex, I just saw for years my kids blossom in happiness. Yeah. And my, my son, who was ADHD, who's still ADHD, but at the time I was having tantrums all the time, just started to slowly, well, they still went on for years, but they got better and he started getting more loving. And it was like the effects of me going through that course. And I actually ended up doing it three years in a row. Wow. Went through that 12 week program again, and then a third time. And I just feel like it affected my kids more than anything. Yeah. That's interesting that you said that the the coaching was meant to be, because for me, it was Mm -hmm. very similar. I, uh, and I'm a John Maxwell coach and I, uh, the divorce initiated in 2015 
And uh, January 2016, I got an email from uh, I, I was already I, I was getting the uh, it's called uh, Minute with Maxwell. John Maxwell is an international speaker. He's 70 years old. He's the wisest person I know on earth. He's amazing. Uh, but uh, I got this email from him and you know invited me to uh, some kind of uh, online thing. So I clicked and I, I, signed, I, I put my name in, a phone number, and within a few minutes, somebody calls me and introduces me to the John Maxwell coaching team. And I signed up. And it was the best thing I've, I've ever done because it went... It went me. I got a mentor. I got somebody else that could steer the ship for me and help me along the way, and it's transformed my whole life uh, from that point. And uh, it's continuously. John says, you know, you personal growth is not something that just happens. It's something that you do daily. You you, you move yeah. uh, towards a goal in the future. So this this goal setting, I think, is very very important. So you, you got out of yourself you started to move forward into what you wanted in the future right yeah i mean it you know maybe it had something to do with what i'm doing now because you know there's a lot of coaching is probably the most valuable thing you could do to help someone but there's also like millions of coaches like jumping on to what's going on right now which is coaching yeah And then I think about like this guy who didn't even realize how amazing he was, but he had a process that actually got a result. And I think that was the most important thing that I, you know, at the time was not just someone to talk to because I did counseling. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to just go talk to someone. All she did was recommend books, which I learned more from the books than I did from that session. I really wanted someone (laughs) You know, I'm like, why don't you just tell me to read four books and then bye, because they were more beneficial. But yeah, I mean, he had he had an actual way that he himself used to work through things in his life, and he helped us navigate those steps, and that was it. But yeah, I mean, it did change my life, and it started launching me into more of like, helping other people, but that's been an entire evolution. (laughs) And now, and then finally coming to terms eventually with how do I really want to help people? Or is it just something you're saying? Like you, this is like a real thing where people for years are like, I want to help people. I want to, I want to impact the world, but do you really want to impact the world? Or are you just being like self-serving in that? And um, I don't know, a couple years ago, I self-servingly, started going live just to promote my own fitness aspirations Yeah, and turned out that I really enjoyed it and started connecting with people and realizing how disingenuine I probably was of a person and, and how like non vulnerable I really was. And and now I just, I wanted people to see this side of me. Right. And, but then when you're, you're live and you're interacting, like you have two choices, you're either going to, people are just going to not be on with you (laughs) and and they're just gonna be like, whatever, or you're going to actually like open up. And, and I remember this whole live stream experience that I did. I remember my family members were like, Shirley, you got to stop talking. (laughs) Like, I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, 
You've got to stop telling things about your life. You're telling everyone everything about our life. And, and even like if I date, it's like, okay, you got to be okay because it might come out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and so everyone's like, just stop telling us about all our problems. And I'm like, but our problems are, our problems are stuff other people are going through. Yeah. So it's okay. <laughs> so anyway, that was just a funny part of like the whole getting vulnerable and going live and everything I do, I take to the extreme. And even that started getting to the point where it's like, all right, don't tell everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think being authentic, it's a lack in society. Everybody or a lot of people are so superficial. They don't want to share about life. And I think being authentic is extremely attractive to when you can be yourself. You don't have to share all the stories, but you can, yeah. you can be you and be authentic with people when you, like uh, I started talking to people uh, when I when I went through the John Maxwell coaching, he has written a book called "Everyone Communicates, Few Connect." I tell everybody to read it. It's the most amazing book about connection. John Maxwell is the best connector in the world. How I have you, not. I will check that out. You, yeah. said, you mentioned it, but I'll go look at it today. Yeah, it, it's uh, about uh, how to connect uh, on on instead of just communicating. Everybody communicates. You know, it's just words going between each other. But to really connect, how do you connect with somebody? We all have had phone calls to, to people where it's very poor reception. But how do you get that good reception between two human beings? And you have to become vulnerable. You have to open up. You have to yeah. share. You have to spend time. You have to value the other person. And there's their ingredients how to connect. And you can learn how to connect. That's a skill. It's not something you're born with. And to learn how to connect is one of the most important skills in, in life. I know you've been in sales. You're a realtor. So you know how to sell. And that's also all about connecting. How do you connect with your potential buyer? That is a skill. It's not something that just happens. And that you can be purposeful how to connect with your client, in your romantic relationship, with your kids, in all areas of life. And, and John says... Connection is the most important skill there is in life. You will have an, an amazing life if you can connect with people. And uh, I, I know you have the, the, your, your, uh, on your profile, you said social connectedness. Can you speak into that? What is that to you? Well, you want to enhance social connectedness. Yeah. I think that's yeah. awesome. Okay, I'll tell you how I came up with that. I was started going live every day and people were like all of a sudden literally within a week and a half of just doing it consistently they're like oh when's your show and i was like i have a show <laughs> <laughs> and so over about a month or so i was like i was actually collaborating with another guy who watched who was savvy in business and he's like you know you need to come up with a name for your show and you need to have a theme and you need to people need to know like what your purpose is and so it started making me think about that actually becoming a thing meanwhile like I didn't get paid to do that so it was actually detracting from my income making time but I it was the best thing I ever did and I I don't know how this came to be but one day we were talking about suicide and I went on the uh, suicide hotline. If you Google the suicide hotline, or if you even just look up the dictionary, you go Wikipedia, look up suicide hotline. It says in there, 
the purpose of the suicide hotline is to enhance social connectedness. Oh, wow. And the way to do that is for you to call in and then they listen. So the true way to, for me to connect. So I, that came up with enhancing social connectedness of the purpose of the show, meaning every topic will be different. There's no barriers. There's no um, levels. There's, there's like everyone's, everyone's allowed. Everyone's engaged. There's no hierarchy. And, and, um, but the topics were totally random. Um, but the way that I connected more and more and realized was to actually be interested and listen to what they have to say. And I, you know, instead of like my, my initial going live was I had something to tell them and I told them Yeah. and it was like, I know there's a three second delay from the time you talk to the time that someone on Facebook live receives your words. So there's a lot of time you got to like, just sit for a minute (laughs) and just let someone respond, but then actually give a crap about what they say back. Yeah. And then maybe ask more and then ask more. I mean, sometimes there would be like an, a 45 minute live stream where one person would just respond and it got into their whole story and the other people would just kind of comment on that person's whole interaction with me. So I don't think you can truly connect unless you really start asking more. Yeah. And how I connected with you, it was mainly seeing you being authentic on Facebook. I think you had some connections. I don't know really how we connected, but I know it was through your lives and somehow you ended up in my stream because you probably had, I don't know, somehow. <laughs> but yeah. I know that you had some connections through John Maxwell, but, uh, or if he was friends of yours. But I think that's how we connected. But it's interesting, uh, being vulnerable, you said that a large part of your life you were not authentic, and then you moved into that. Was that purposefully? Um, you know, it's funny when you actually do live stream where you're not pre-recording videos and just putting them out for people, you get a lot of feedback, good and bad. And you get, you get people that think you're dumb and haters and why are you on? And I'm not going to listen to your stupid stuff. Why are you even going live? And then there's people that are like, you know, you should go on a different time or you should talk about this and you should really hone in on one topic. Like literally anything that could have been altered in what I was doing was told to me. Uh, and so, um, sometime someone, someone said, you should, um, go watch Brene Brown, um, vulnerability. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? I'm not being vulnerable enough. And you think you're opening up to people, but you're not, you're really just telling them a story you want to tell them so they can get the point you want them to hear. And then, so I did, I went and listened to her stuff and, what impacted me the most about her TED talk was not her talk. Her talk was good. I liked her stories. It was the thousands and thousands of comments. And I'm not kidding when I say 70% of the comments were hate. Wow. They were, they were telling her how she, you're too fat to be up on stage. And I can't believe anyone watches like, like it was bad. And I was just thinking this woman is opening up and talking, taking a chance on a topic or whatever, when really that wasn't even her, her career. Her career was a scientific, yeah. you know, and all there is a bunch of hate. So I, I started learning from the comments 
and just, I don't know. I, do, I still believe today that if a business owner wants to know what's going on with their, with their ideal client, just go look at the comments. Don't, don't worry about the content. But um, so it just made me think that my goal is to get comments, good or bad. Yeah. So I started asking more people to give me feedback and asking them to comment and tell me what you think. But I did strategically learn that if you're going to, if you're going to connect with anyone, you have to tell a story about something you're going through so that they can relate and not be like, you know, it's like I dated this guy and it was always like, you know, asking me a question. And I always felt like on the spot where I had to tell this vulnerable story or talk about how I really feel. It's like never once did he say anything first. So it's like when you're going and you're talking, even like on a live stream, first you tell the story. So you don't look like the high and mighty up on the pedestal Yeah, and open up a little bit because unless you do, I mean, people are just going to think that they're going to be judged the minute they speak. Very you know, interesting. So now in relationships, none of this relates to my ex because at the time we were both genuine people who connected and love found love and we got married. But but afterward, I just feel like it's like one fake after another. Yeah. People pretending to be someone else, people pretending to like certain things in the relationship because that'll make them like them more. And yes, I did that, of course. I did a lots of like hobby things that I kind of jumped into that weren't my thing. Um, yeah, I like that. <laughs> like, no, I hate that. <laughs> and um, I just think I'm not happy now unless I'm having a real conversation and can get into a deep conversation with someone, whether it's talking about the universe for hours or whatever struggle you're going through, it's okay, but just don't pretend everything's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh, for me, how I traveled through and become vulnerable and being me, it was actually just a little bit of an, it just happened. Uh, Maybe a little similar. You started with the, the lives. Uh, what I did was when I started John Maxwell Journey, uh, 2016, I read the book Everyone Communicates You Connect, and then I wanted to start practicing the practices he talks about. So I was flying back and forth to Sweden all the time. So I decided on every flight, I'm going to ask the person next to me uh, to start a conversation. So I would just say. Hey, are you going away? Uh, you going home or are you going to work? To so just to start the conversation. Because the longer you wait to initiate contact, the more difficult it is. If you wait 15 minutes, then it makes becomes even more difficult to initiate the contact. So I would you mean uh, like the second I sit down, I initiate contact yeah. with the other person. And start uh, you, you realize pretty quick if they want to talk or not. If they put the headset on right away, you know they don't want to talk. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, probably like 60-70% of the people like to talk even though I was the initiator and even the people I had a person that was about to put his headset on, a Swedish guy, uh, uh, he came out to be pretty high up uh, in an organization, an amazing conversation. But he was just about to set it, put it on, and I started asking him a question. And then he put him down his, in his knee and then back in the suitcase, and we had a conversation the whole flight. Uh, but to, to be bold and start talking to people. But what I started to asking people, I, I started sharing about my story. 
Uh, and the, the things that was mo- most difficult for me was my divorce. So I started sharing about divorce, my story, and that did many things. First of all, it opened up the discussion because they became comfortable with me. They, they started uh, trusting me. And then they started sharing about their struggles. A lot of them, we had uh, hours of talking, very, very uh, awesome discussions. And then about a year or two after I started this, I realized this shame has dissipated. I, I wasn't ashamed of the divorce anymore. And then I read Brittany Brown's book about shame and how shame wants you to be quiet about what you're ashamed of. But when you start sharing about the shame, then it dissipates. And that was amazing because I read the book afterwards and I realized what I had done was to remove the shame by talking about it. And that was a pretty cool story for me, how I became vulnerable, authentic. And, And this podcast is also about me learning to become more comfortable talking to other people. I'm an introvert myself. Uh, I, I've been in sales my whole life, so I've, I've learned how to connect with people. And, uh, but usually I think the definition of introvert is that you recharge by yourself and yeah. an extrovert recharges among other people. And I definitely need that time by myself. But uh, I'm, yeah. I'm a fairly outgoing person as well, so I've trained myself. But uh, yes, I think that that definition actually needs to be shared more because yes, you know, introversion of recharging on your own is pretty much like my thing. Yeah. Now you can take that to the extreme and be like so much me time that you push everyone away. But I think I, I ended up taking like, I ended up getting really into meditation yeah. And taking um, like transcendental meditation, which really takes it to like the nth degree of hours of being on your, sitting on your own and trying to get to that space where you feel the drop into nothingness. And I talked about this on like a live stream inside my group, but I actually got to the point when I was doing all that, that I didn't want to come back to reality. I didn't want to come wow. out of the meditation. Yeah, it was crazy. And I see why, I see how it can happen where, you know, the um, yogis and, or like whatever, the shamans and people like, they literally go off on their own for years and, and sit and meditate. And that's not really true. Everyone's not sitting on top of a mountain meditating, uh. but there's a lot of alone time. And sometimes that happens but the more you meditate, the more you want to be in that headspace because I don't know, it's crazy. But that's like a side note. I, just, I, I tried to a little bit of everything as far as learning about myself or being quiet. or Yeah. I, I started meditating a year ago but it's only because I got the, <clears throat> the Apple Watch. <clears throat> and they have, it's called, uh, it's not even called meditation. It's, uh, now I forgot what it's called. Um, but it's well, that's uh, cool to know that Apple inspired you to meditate. Yeah, uh, it has it on the watch, and it's just short uh, meditation. You just said one minute or two minutes or a few few minutes. But uh, you know, I've, I've uh, I I pray, and that's a kind of a meditation as well. 
I think yeah. just quietness and learning how to breathe and, and to remove your thoughts and just focusing on your breathing is very powerful. It is. And I use it if I can't sleep, uh, I go to bed and I have a bunch of thoughts. I just start meditating a few minutes and then I fall asleep. Yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, meditation all is what uh, I was taught through the watch. That's mainly just being able to breathe and focus on your breathing. And it's not anything yeah. weird. It's just kind of like learning how to control your brain. It's uh, yeah. controlling your thoughts. And, uh, uh-oh, <laughs> my whole table moved. Okay. Um uh, so I, I think that's in your in your mind. What what was the most important things? I, I know that you shared with me that you decided for for to not have a, a messy divorce. You made a few decisions with money and other things early in the divorce to give up, and you were quite selfless in that. I, I thought that was amazing because I made uh, opposite decisions. My my worst decision in my whole life was. My, my ex-wife filed for the divorce, but I found, found uh, filed a countersuit towards her uh, with uh, full custody of the kids. But I, I removed that after three weeks. But it was the most stupid thing. But I was in fear. I acted in fear. And it was a, the, the biggest mistake in my whole life because that fear is still in our relationship, you know, after the oh, divorce. How old are your kids now? Uh, the youngest is 16, so 24, 22, my boys, and then my girls are 17, almost 18, and then 16. I mean, I think people forget that or it's not like we're going to die in 10 years. Like, our kids are going to be 18, and they're going to make their own decision, and they're going to see us both. And it's not like this whole visitation thing only lasts for a certain period of time yeah. until they're 18. I mean, I saw people wait until 18 to get divorced. That's a decision or whatever. But I just decided that I knew money was super important to him. Yeah. So I knew there would be a fight over it yeah. of some kind. And I also knew that divorce attorneys make money on a long drawn out divorce. Yeah. And so we decided to go through mediation, which was free in the County we lived, which pretty much I believe is free everywhere. And they just took our pay stubs and yes, I just took whatever they dis- they deemed was absolutely necessary based on the pay stub comparison. Yeah. And nothing more, no alimony, no nothing. And then just mean that I had to do what I think keeps a lot of people from divorcing, which is money, yeah. financial stress, helping us support myself. So as a woman, I think women need to get their career and get a job and be self-sufficient, not so they can go get divorced. But so that if anything happens, they need to be able to work. The yeah. whole I'm against the whole just stay at home for years. So they, people can hate me for that. But um, I, you know, I needed to be able to make money. And yeah. I needed to be able to say, I'm not going to spend the next year, 10 years fighting. Let's decide like on visitation. And once that was decided, I moved out. And I, you know, I didn't take, we didn't split the retirement. We didn't split the equity on the home. He kept the home. He kept his retirement, even though we both contributed for years. I just wanted to, I just wanted to walk away, like without this lingering fight over money, because it wasn't even yeah. about the kids. That is such an amazing. Uh, but if you don't have a way to support yourself, then you need the money. You know, thinking back, of course, I should have, I should have like fought for more. 
and you know, cause that could be a stupid decision because then yeah. you're, it could be homeless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's, that is very wise advice going through a divorce to get counseling. I know that uh, they have different types of divorces. They have divorces where you just have the lawyers fight for you. And that's probably the worst decision you can make. I think, uh, having gone through it myself, but to have a counselor within, you know, in the help, uh, they, to have it uh, in a mediation type where you try to work things out in a good way, I definitely think that's a, the best way to do it. Uh, now, to, to if you would, uh, we'll round off this podcast today, and then uh, hopefully you come back on the show here in the future, and we'll t- pick, pick it a different uh, subject, or we'll figure something to talk about. But uh, uh, to, to round off. If you wanted to say a word to somebody that's gone through a divorce five years ago and they're still stuck and miserable after the divorce, what would you tell that person? I mean, the thing about the thing about me, I mean, I believe in true love. Yeah. I, I, none of what happened affect it did initially. I'm like not a man hater, but I know people end up kind of like that or men do that. Women, I believe in true love. I believe that I'm going to be, you know, with someone forever when that right person is in front of me. And so I just, I definitely did not let it change. I would say, don't, you got to work on yourself because if you don't, you're never going to be open like a child on Christmas morning when you meet someone, you're constantly going to be talking about the problem. And it's, like, it's hard not to when you're first in it. Even people a couple years out, even you, like you're not really like you're only like five years, but really two years. It's like you've got to focus on yourself. Otherwise, you're never going to open up for that other person. Yeah. So it is really important that I spend the rest of the time I'm on this earth connecting with people and not finding love or people on this like hunt for it, but being totally open to it. And the only way you can do that is to love yourself. Yeah, that's good. That's a great ending to the podcast. Loving yourself definitely was one of the, the most important things for me to, to and also to, to work on myself, to become a, a better version of myself. And that was through the process to get a mentor, get a coach. Uh, somebody's already walked the path and get get traction to take action. And I think a lot of people they feel sorry for themselves, they're lonely, a lot of people are, are depressed and uh, that can be a very very difficult uh, part if you if you're in that situation and to start getting traction and get uh, getting reaching out for help. I think it's uh, yeah. very very important. So I just want to say thank you to you. It's it's been a great podcast. And uh, mm-hmm. I know there are going to be a lot of people listening and uh, going to be touched by this story. Stories touch lives. And I think that's a great way to communicate to other people. And that's what this podcast is about, uh, for you to hear stories that, like Cheryl, she went through a very difficult uh, part of her life, uh, but it turned out in a great way. And it can turn out great for you too, that listen, that uh, your story in the past you can turn that story into something beautiful in the future. Take that step that you need to take to get out of that place where you're at right now. And uh, I look forward to another episode. We release episodes every Monday. 
And then we're going to start yeah. having uh, on, on Thursdays or Fridays, actually, we're going to have coaches come in and, and speak about how they help people as well. So you all have an awesome day. And thank you again, Cheryl, for being on the show. Thank you. I appreciate it.